Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as usual, is none other than Mikey Maximus the Ferticus Charette. What's up? What's up, Mr. Ben? Dr. Ben? Oh, you know, I am, I'm doing well. Uh, what'd you get into this past week, Mike? What, what, what went down? Hmm. Uh, well, we went, um, I went to a bar and I had mm-hmm. uh, a lot of beer. And okay. uh, I also had a lot of barbecue food. Nice. Uh, burnt in specifically. Mm. And mm. Um, yeah, and then I slept all day on Sunday. <laughs> nice. the itis. No, uh, so a recharge weekend. Yeah, it was definitely a recharge weekend. Yeah, how about you? You know, I uh, I did some I did some TV watching, a little bit of that. Mm. I uh, you know I watched a little football. Yeah. Um, I watched a little comedy, and yeah. I mean I I could let everybody know how much of a man I am by all the football I watched. Say I could what? like repeat scores and stuff, but there's no need to do that. <laughs> I watched I watched something more intriguing though something that really drew me in and i just had i felt like i needed to spread the word a little bit about it because it's it's flabbergasting it's it's a (laughs) it's amazing mike i watched some of the new showtime documentary the sound and fury of rick james word and (laughs) it's insane mike this, I mean, we all know Rick from his appearance on the Chappelle show. Of course. But, like, I mean, if listeners think they thought they know Rick James from that, nope. They haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> this, this thing is insane. Yeah, like, like you know how uh, you hear basketball fans say, like, oh, what, what would happen if Larry Bird played in today's game? Or, like, what would happen if Michael Jordan played in today's game? You know? Yeah. You've heard that, right? Of yeah. course. Yeah. If Rick James played in today's music industry, like, he would have already been arrested 47 times and <laughs> thrown out of the music industry. Like, So true. It's insane, this documentary. I, I, I'll, start with, I'll start with a quote from himself. This is a Rick James quote. He said, quote, I could have bought Monte Carlo as much as I've snorted. I've smoked half of Paris and mu- most of Russia, and I've shot up Puerto Rico and drank up Mexico. Huh? I went through five yachts, three planes, 17 cars, four mansions, any woman that I wanted, and $30 million in the bank. Jeez. People were disgusted with the way I lived. Let's talk real. I was a dumb <laughs> That's That's amazing. That's Rick. It's Rick James, man. Can you imagine if Taylor Swift said that? Like, just just think of anybody today, any famous musician saying that today. Nope. Like, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. By the m- middle of the 80s, they're talking about this is after, like, his fifth album or something like that. He was doing several thousand dollars worth of cocaine 
a night. Wait, what? A wow. night. I mean, you know, I've never been in that situation, Mike, but you got to imagine like normal life would seem rather bland after you come down from that. <laughs> yeah, like, very true. Uh, very true. Uh, don't feel you can just go back to the next day of being like, well, I got some laundry to do and go to Publix, pick up a couple things. But, uh, like, that'd be be a little bit hard to come down from the old three, four-figure cocaine habit. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So true. Like, I think one of the biggest, the, the craziest stories of the whole thing, uh, at one point, and this is this is around the same time they bring up how much cocaine he's doing. And at one point in his life, he he finishes an album and he goes to the executives at Motown to get paid for his most recent album. And he's he's like really angry because he thinks that the company isn't working hard enough to sell his records. Right? He's getting He's getting amped up. He's getting fired up. He doesn't think he's getting the attention. Maybe mm -hmm. because of the pounds of cocaine he's doing. Could be <laughs> something to do with it, right? Mm. And he argues a little bit with this executive. And then, out of nowhere, he pulls out a giant bag of cocaine, pours it on the desk, does a giant line of it, and then jumps up on the desk, pulls his out, shoves it into the executive's face, and tells him... Sell my records! Sell them! <laughs> and then he walks out. Word. What? What? He wanted to Is... send a message. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, can you imagine like Ed Sheeran doing that? I just don't, hmm. I don't see it happening in today's music era. Like, it's crazy. I, like, I don't even know what you would do as the record exec. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what would you do? You know? I, I don't know, Rick. Uh, I don't think we can promote your records like that. We'll probably be arrested. That's probably, I, I'd like, I, what? I, it just, who thinks of that? Who? I, it's so amazing. So I just, I gotta say, if you get the chance, watch it, listeners. It's, it will blow you away. Like, and then I started thinking after seeing it, like, what if you put together a tour in the eighties? of Ozzy Osbourne and Rick James together. Hmm. Like, the music wouldn't make sense at all. <laughs> but Very true. that would be such a whirlwind of insanity. Like, yes! that would be a hurricane and a tornado coming together to make a tor Tory Kano. And it would just <laughs> destroy America with nudity and cocaine. Yes! Like, just... That'd um, be a great show. It would. Like, I would definitely yeah. go to that. Well, oh, yeah. actually, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to go to the concert. I would just want to, like, be following him around with a camera. But still, like, oh, man. Be like the, three hours. The, no, I'd be like it, three days long. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, last thing I wanted to say about the documentary, though, it's its producer is Ty James, Rick mm -hmm. James's daughter. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And, like, just think of watching a documentary about your dad, and that's your dad. Like, yeah. I mean, I know she's probably used to it by now. Like, she's sort of adjusted to it, but still. I mean, 
if you're the producer and you're running through the 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 record exec part of that movie and you're just like oh dad just doing dad stuff oh dad (laughs) cocaine (laughs) it's what he did like it's sort of sort of weird like i i don't know anyways i just i mean i i i was like i said flabbergasted mike it was amazing i want to check it out uh, now you want to you definitely yes. want to check it out. Yes. Uh, after you watch the documentary, you will forever question anyone when they tell you, hey, man, last night I partied hard. Hmm. You'll be like, really? Really? Not Rick James hard. <laughs> exactly. On a scale of one to Rick James, where were you at? Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think you know, so. five. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Crazy. Now that I've caught you up on all of Rick James' activities, are we ready to fire the show up, Mike? Let's do it. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Oh, man, Mike. We have Mr. E.G. Vines on the show. Uh, his his new album came out, uh, Through the Mirror. Uh, that came out a couple weeks ago. He's, he's in Texas this week, all over the state, just driving around doing gigs. Yes! Dallas. San Antonio, Houston, Austin. He's there. He's doing it. We're going to we're going to talk to him about a bunch of stuff. I want to talk to him about, you know, uh, uh basketball a little bit. I got a couple basketball questions for him. Nashville, of course. Top 5 records. We're going to talk his top 5 records of all time. We're going to talk a lot of things. But uh first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Birthday suit. Happy birthday. Okay, um, pretty positive you got this one. Uh, like okay. I'm like a 99.8% on this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, born on September 15, 1984 in London, England, to the royal family. Her birthday suit wearer's mother was Princess Diana. His father was Prince Charles. Hmm. Her birthday suit wearer's parents divorced in 1996, and his mother died in a car crash tragically less than a year later. He ended up going into the Royal Military Academy of Sandhurst. He served in the British Army in two tours of duty in Afghanistan. In 2016, he started dating Meghan Markle. And in 2018, they were married in Windsor Castle couple stopped performing official royal duties in 2019 and moved to a house in California. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. I... Prince Harry? Prince Harry is uh, correct. Yes. No, I was a little Kinda worried. Guessed. Yeah, yeah, you were like, <laughs> is it guessed. Prince William? Prince Harry? I don't remember I which one I always get confused. I get a little confused. You I know, know I don't blame you if you're not a, a <laughs> royal uh, chaser, but they're just... I figured they're so, so much in the news there with their whole Oprah Winfrey interview. That was yeah. like, what was that? That was almost a year ago now, I guess, right? It's around a. I don't know. Sometime like around there. Two months ago. I don't know. Sometime yeah. in the pandemic, it happened. I remember. And they, they there were there were a lot of motions. There were feels going around in that interview. There were, you yeah. know, they were angry over things. Oprah was distraught and upset for them. People didn't mm-hmm. care and were angry in the public. It was, whew, it was rough. It was rough. And I was yeah. sort of like, I'm sort of neutral, guys. I don't really care either way. 
doesn't really, <laughs> doesn't really affect me too much. Nope. But, like, they do forget that Prince Harry, like, I mean, he did. He did two tours of duty. Like, as he was the first, first dude since, like, I think his uncle that actually served actively in the military. Because, like, mm. they all serve, but, you know, they usually give them, like, you know, cleaning things at the castle. And they're like, there's your duty. You know, they usually don't send them out. <laughs> into the into yeah. the field but i was thinking about it like if i was one of the other british soldiers that served with him i'm definitely sticking to prince harry like glue like i'm just right on his side like there's nothing that they're not going to let him ever get attacked so if i'm right here we're good mm -hmm. like definitely hang out with him but you know anyways i don't know what what do you think about meghan markle hmm. you think yeah. Like she's uh, easy on the eyes. She is. Um, she is. But uh, I don't have an opinion. No. On her, though. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no. I don't. I don't really either. That's the thing. Is I'm like, how can anybody get really that? It's sort of like some like. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, as far as like their uh, what they do, it's sort of like the uh, social media influencers. I let you guess on uh, the other week. Like it's like who. Like, if it wasn't, if they weren't in the royal family, you'd be like, what? Like, because she was on what? Yeah. Was she on Suits? Was that it? Some show no that I've idea. never seen. There was some show <laughs> that she was on. They're like, now she's dating Prince Harry. And you're like, who? Where is she from? Okay, well, good for Prince Char uh, Prince Harry. Nice. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, Prince Harry's turning 37, 38. 37. 37. Girl, come on. He's turning 37. 37. Prince Harry. There we go. Thought he was thought he was younger than that. For some reason I was thinking he was younger than me, but apparently yeah. not. Okay. <laughs> you always imagine him as like a kid kind of in a weird Yeah, way. he sort of stuck in the uh, you know, the time around when uh, Princess Diana died and you're like, "Oh, no, yeah. he's 37. I forgot about that." Whoops. Yeah. Couple decades <laughs> have slid past there. Okay. Anyways, Happy birthday, Prince Harry. Enjoy hmm. California. Uh, seems <laughs> seems like you've got a nice place out there. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Okay, Mike, are you ready? We're going to rip some headlines. Let's do it. Oh. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. This, this first one, this one got me. This was one of the last stories I actually saw that I pulled for this week, and when I saw it, I was like, Really? That's weird. So, um, Anne Wright. Anne Wright and her boyfriend, Michael Head. Uh, they've been making the news in a couple of... Uh, um, a, a couple of newspapers there this week. Because they let folks know about some inner workings of their relationship. They let some details of their relationship out. Hmm. And uh, they, they've been telling people they think their relationship is, like, going great. They've got this great relationship, and they credit a lot of their good relationship to the fact that they have a 17-page document that outlines all of the particulars of what is required of each of them in the relationship. Word. A contract wow. of saying, you do this, you do that, I'll do this. 17 pages. <laughs> and apparently Anne, 
She's a risk management and insurance professional. Makes sense. That's a fact. She jokingly brought up the idea to Michael two weeks after they had met on Tinder. Two weeks mm. after they met on Tinder. And Michael, who's a law student about to graduate, apparently... Uh, and who is apparently insane, uh, decided, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. Let's do this. And they wrote <laughs> up a 17-page document outlining exactly what they expected out of each other. Like, for instance, Annie expects a romantic gesture, gesture once every two weeks. Hmm. And she also expects Michael to work out five times a week to keep himself hmm. in shape. Word. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. And Annie said she credits the lengthy contract as the key to their relationship success and even suggest suggested they may give each other a yearly review. Hmm. Hmm. How long have they been together? Uh, uh, they're coming up on their year anniversary. <laughs> so, okay. Mike, I'm not saying I want this to happen or that it will happen, or that if it did happen, it wouldn't be tragic. But I feel like this is probably going to end up with them both murdering each other. So true. Like, this, this, this can't be good, right? This can't, and there's just so many, you outlined 17 pages, but like, even like, romantic gesture, what does that mean? That's too, that's too qualitative. There's, that's yeah. too subjective. He's going to do mm -hmm. something. She's going to be like, that wasn't romantic. And he's like, yeah, it was. Page three, look at it. That was romantic gesture. Like, this is it's not going to not gonna work. Yeah. Nope. Like, I mean, and what's wrong with Michael that he encouraged this? After she jokingly brought this up, if I was Michael, I'd be like, yeah. The next day I'd be gone. She would never hear yeah. from me again. Like, never. No way. Like, in the article, too, she said, I had that moment with Michael where I was looking at him and he was everything I could ever want in a partner. Huh? <laughs> Remember, she knew him less than two weeks when she made this. She knew that in two weeks that he was everything she could ever want in a partner? Really? Nope. Really? Yeah. Nope. Why do I get the Disney feeling? Movies. Why do I get the feeling that even even though she said she knew that he was the partner for her in less than two weeks, she's still the person that takes like forty five minutes in line to decide what sandwich she wants at Subway? Like, uh, I don't know. That's a fact. Meatball could be good today. It's, uh, ooh, uh, it's <laughs> turkey though. It's calling my name. Like, yeah, two weeks? No, no. Yeah, but I, not, not enough time. I will say, though, when I looked at this and I was like, a lawyer and a risk management and insurance professional, that, that those two are the people that would come up with a 17-page document. Like So true. That's, I mean, you don't get better than those two as far as coming out with a legal binding document. But I will say, yeah. can you imagine the parties at their house? M must be ragers, mm. man. Let's be real. Yeah. Could you sign this document before you come in? Just a couple things, <laughs> you know, tables it's a on uh, coasters on tables, blah blah blah. It's it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about like. No, thank you. I am not going to be Anna and Michael's friend. That is not.
I don't want to be anywhere close to that. Anyways. Maybe the, uh, mm-hmm. were they double spaced pages? You know, maybe that's the reason. They, they show, pages. they show, it looked pretty <laughs> dense. There was like, uh, there was an example part of it that they had pictured. It looked pretty dense. Like, I don't, I, small font. Yeah. Anyways, Mike, you uh, remember when bad. I told you about the dude in Idaho? Uh, that won a bunch of world records just to win a bunch of world records. Hmm. Yeah. He's still doing that. Girl, come on! He's... Nice. He's still going at it. He's got over 200 of these records. And uh, he set a new one. David Rush in Idaho set a world record this past week for using his hands to move more than 114 ounces of water between two containers in 30 seconds. Huh? All right, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's actually a record, Mike. That's a record. Like, that's actually something the people at Guinness wasted time reviewing and recording mm-hmm. and making an award for David Rush to have. And I guess you could say it's fairly impressive, but I'm telling you right now, <laughs> if Kawhi Leonard wanted to break this record, he could have oh, five easily. gallons moved with his giant clown hands. Are you kidding? The be claw. Like, like two, two cups, and he'd have over 114 ounces. But, like, honestly, like, I just... Has anyone ever said in their life, like, hey, you know how many ounces of water have been transferred between two containers in 30 seconds? Not... Wonder who has the record for that? Like, who has ever said that? I don't know, but I can I say know. if I find myself in a canoe with a hole in the bottom, I want David Rush in my in my canoe to be my water man. <laughs> I and want Kawhi Leonard. That's uh, true. <laughs> if you get if you gave me a choice, I'm still going Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, with his athletic quickness too, size of hands, oh, yeah. athletic quickness. Oh man, you could be out there all day on that boat. Mm, be fine. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Mike, do you have any weird porta potty stories? Wait, what? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. No. I feel like I mean, it's always a weird experience. Yeah. You know, but uh, not really un- anything unusual. No. I, I guess. Yeah. I guess it's just the feeling of being. Because uh, I was thinking, I was like, I feel like everybody has a weird porta potty story. But but I guess it's just like you said, it's just going to one that's weird that you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. This is bizarre. Um, I re- I actually had a weird one time. I was running out in the middle of nowhere in Virginia. Like I mean, just li- you know, out there in a field. And there's a small construction site on this farm that I was running by. And I really had to use the bathroom. And it just so happens there was this porta potty out there beside this construction site in an empty field. And I was just like, oh, all right, I guess it's better than the side of the road. All right, you know? And so I go into this porta potty, and literally, like 30 seconds after I get into the porta potty, someone tries to come in to the porta potty. What? Yeah, and it was like empty out in this field, and I was like, uh, "Somebody's, somebody's in here. Somebody stop!" <laughs> and like, I finish up, I come out, and there's just a dude standing there, just like patiently waiting. And I was just like, "Uh, all yours." <laughs> yeah, and I just ran off. It was so bizarre, and I was just like, "Where did they?" I'm serious. The field was empty before that. I was like, "Was he hiding behind like a rock?" 
What's going on? Where was he? So bizarre. Anyways, yeah, I bring this up because Laramie Blake, she uh, she lives in Gallup, New Mexico, and she had a fairly uh, scary instance at a porta potty this past week. So uh, she went to the flea market, and while she was there, she she had to use the bathroom. And apparently, mm-hmm. at this flea market, they just have porta potties. And she goes into the porta potty, and she felt somebody tug on the door, just like I did, right? And she got a little concerned, though. She felt somebody tug on the door, and then for some reason, in her head, she was like, well, I need to check and make sure I can still get out of the porta potty which I was like, really? That wouldn't be my first thought. But anyways, that's what she tried, and she realized she couldn't get out of the porta potty She, she, oh, first, no. she first thought the door was, like, jammed, but then she realized somebody had put a lock on the outside of the porta potty. Word. So Laramie starts freaking out. She starts screaming. And eventually, like, dude walking by the porta potty hears this lady screaming in the porta potty. And he was like, What's going on? She's like, I'm locked. Look at the lock. And he was like, Oh. So he went and got some bolt cutters and uh, got her out of the porta potty. And uh, Laramie said, Quote, New stuff's coming out with sex trafficking and kidnapping. And when I replay everything that happened, I feel that was what was supposed to happen. But luckily, the guy who was there saved me and was probably there at the right time. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. First off, I got to say, I got to say, Mike, first off, uh, I'm glad she's okay. That's good. Yeah, for sure. Second, I'm not sure if Laramie's aware, but kidnapping's not a new thing. Nope. I don't know if she knows that. It's been around for a pretty good while. Pretty pretty yeah. sure Vikings were big into kidnapping. Uh, that mm-hmm. that happened a lot back then. Uh, second, that's not what was going on here. Nope. Like, what kind of backwards kidnapping would be going on in that way? All right. So we're going to wait until she gets in the porta potty in the middle of a crowded flea market. Then we're going to put a lock on it. Then we're going to abandon the porta potty and hope she stays completely silent. Then we're going to go back, break into the flea market at night, load our porta potty onto a flatbed truck, drive off, kidnapping complete. Who would do that? <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. Laramie, it was not somebody trying to kidnap you. Nope. It was somebody that thought it would be hilarious to lock a person in a porta potty because they're a Oh, bag. yeah. Like, that's... Oh, yeah. Come on. It's a TikTok video for sure. Exa- she's just in a TikTok video. Exactly. <laughs> and she's going to find it and she's going to be like, oh, that was me. There I was. And my kidnapper yeah. has a TikTok. That's crazy. Why would he do that? I don't get it. Uh, Why didn't he tag me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Could have gone viral. Anyways, uh, Mike, remember several weeks ago when we had the story about the dude who had his automatic gun on display on Instagram Live? Oh, uh, automatic gun on... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do. I do. Yeah, apparently, that's that's a pretty hot thing to do these days. That's that's a popular thing. That's sort of like a Tide Pod challenge, except uh, the automatic gun challenge. Because apparently, in Milwaukee, people are just getting busted left and right for this. Especially with two gangs, the Wild 100s, and the Ghetto Boys click. Word. So 
So last week, Keyshawn, who's a member of the uh, Wild 100s, he felt like he'd go on Instagram Live and show off his arsenal, all of his all of his guns. And uh, while they were going through the guns, uh, Keyshawn said, I ain't going to show the switches on, on live here. I ain't going to lie. Right? So he's talking mm-hmm. about the same giggle switches that uh, we talked about at the last dude that turn your gun automatic. That's what he was referring mm. to. Now, of course, while he did this, Richard E. Connors, a special agent at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives, was watching. Richard Connors later put out a warrant for Keyshawn, and he was arrested on weapons charges. So, uh, call me old-fashioned, Mike. But I think when you work on uh, illegal gun sales, probably better to work on word of mouth. That's a fact. You know? Better yeah. better, better to do that without recordable trace of sales. You know? Just mm-hmm. a good idea. And I don't know if you're like me, but when I brought up Richard E. Connors, the uh, special agent, I just like to imagine that was his handle on Instagram with Special Agent Connors. <laughs> And it's like, and Keyshawn's talking about his giggle switches, and he's like, oh, man, Special Agent Connor, shout out to you. Thanks for being on the Instagram. Appreciate it. Nice. And when he said something about the giggle switches, Special Agent Connors just put up the handcuff emoji on the live feed, and it just (laughs) sparkled down. He's like, oh, that's weird, huh? It's like, anyways, moral of the story, guys, don't don't put illegal things on, on Instagram Live. Don't do it. Yeah, and block all FBI agents. Yeah, yeah. Make sure, make sure if you see Richard E. Connor's special agent on the handle, you know, don't don't let him on. Don't let him on. Uh, block him. Yeah, block him. Uh, Mike, before we go to break, I think this is my favorite favorite story of the week. It, there's not too much of it. It's just literally the scene. You have to imagine the scene in your head, and it's so. Florida. It's so yes. Florida. It starts scary and ends in typical Florida. So this happened Perfect. in Dunedin, Florida. And uh, this past Sunday morning, police officers have been called to a building about a young man who is armed, right? And police were chasing this 18-year-old uh, man who was armed, and he climbed up on the roof of a building and was pointing the gun at the cops. They had a standoff going. This was like a super long standoff, like six hours. You know, guns drawn, you know, weapons fired, going on all kinds of crazy, you know, demands. In the middle of the standoff, a golf cart comes swerving onto the scene. The golf cart is being driven by a 28-year-old Jessica Smith, who is... Very noticeably drunk. Just extremely inebriated, right? Several Mm -hmm. of the cops trying to get her to turn around. They're like, what are you doing? There's a guy on the roof. He's going to shoot people. And she's just like, get out of my way. I'm coming with a golf cart. And they're like, don't hit our cop cars. And she's like, got to get to my condo. By the way, one other thing. Jessica, completely naked. No clothes. Just on her golf cart, (laughs) naked, (laughs) swerving in. Eventually, they pulled Jessica out of the golf cart, arrested her, 
When she was uh, reached for comment by the New York Post, she had no comment, not too surprisingly. Uh, and eventually, the 18-year-old was arrested on, like, 30 different charges, and there was no actual injuries. But, like, just li- just imagine, listeners, this weekend at Bernie-type moment. You got the police in a tense standoff with this guy. Weapons are drawn. Cue the goofy music. Here comes Jessica cruising in completely naked, completely drunk, and just runs into like 400 cop cars and then falls <laughs> out of the golf cart. Like, man, I love it, right? I love it. Like, just so good. I, I don't know why my mind went to getaway driver when you started like bringing that <laughs> Get up on the, the golf, golf cart. <laughs> Go. We're getting out <laughs> of here. I'm like, that's Florida right there. I got a fully charged battery. We can get up to 15. (laughs) Come on. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, like, if, you know, if that actually turned out to be the scenario. Like, if Jessica was the getaway driver, but she just got too (laughs) drunk to get there. And the guy's waiting for her on the roof, like, oh, oh, jeez. Oh, Jesus. She took all her clothes off. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I guess I'm getting arrested, too. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Anyways, Mike, we're going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest, E.G. Vines. This is one of his new singles here, Them off of Through the Mirror, right here on the Doc G Show. Democrat, Republican, it's written on my face again. It's blue and red, so black and white is taking over everything. It's taking everything. Lying, yelling, screaming, coming from the television. Gotta work on my rebuttal so the internet will give me praise. You gotta give me praise.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, make sure, download the podcast, you stream the podcast, yes! you give us a like, maybe you give us a comment, yes! maybe you listen to it on a couple of different platforms, yes! anything to keep me motivated with the analytics, guys. If you keep me motivated, I'll keep giving you whatever kind of content you call this. I don't know what it is. Mm. But whatever we do on the show, I'll keep doing it, guys. If you if you don't want this to continue, uh, don't comment or like, which you're, you guys are doing a good job of that right now. So, you know. Uh, anyways, anyways, Mike, let's, let's run down the folks that are giving us those analytics they're giving us those values let's hit the regulars here we go shout out to jacksonville florida columbia south carolina radford virginia gainesville florida peoria illinois san diego california jitua italy anoka minnesota broken arrow oklahoma winfield west virginia barcelona spain dublin ireland boardman oregon katie texas richardson texas ashburn virginia and citrus heights california shout out there we go there we go I think I gotta say I think that was my best readoff of regulars ever. That was great. That was, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank nice. you. I I feel like I could almost do the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, small print on the commercials where they have <laughs> yeah. to give you the, give you the the things that aren't true. None of this is true. That kind of deal. That kind of deal. What? Anyways, semi regulars. We got some interesting ones here. Shout out to the semi regulars. Nashville, Tennessee, Arlington, Win uh, Virginia, Bangladesh, Concordia, Kansas, Mansfield, Louisiana, Frankfurt, Germany, Newark, New York, Newton, North Carolina, Oxford, Mississippi, Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, Valencia, Spain, Denver, Colorado, Marysville, Ohio, Silver Spring, Maryland, Bogota, Colombia, and Chicago, Illinois. Shout out. There we go. Nice. Yeah. A little bit of international, a little bit of a uh, uh, little bit of South America there. Yeah. Dominican Republic. You ever been to Dominican Republic? Mm. No, but Doc G, did you mention Bangladesh? I did. Bangladesh was on there. So I have a joke, and it's actually not gone viral, but it's been doing better than every video I've ever put on the internet. And it's nice. a joke about uh, like my friend buying me followers uh, off the <laughs> internet for my I birthday. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like. But I have eight sold-out shows in Bangladesh, so we're doing it. <laughs> Are you actually going to get one? Do you think maybe? Maybe you get enough? I don't hey, know. It could know. happen. It could happen. Maybe that is. Maybe it literally is. People from Bangladesh, they're they heard in. you were on. Yeah, you were on the Doc G show, and they're like, we got to do it. Shout out to get my there. people. Shout out. Yeah. I, I did, uh, before the show, actually, when I was working at a, uh, at a gym, there we actually bought followers on our instagram page to try to get people like in for personal training and whatnot yeah it didn't work it was completely <laughs> pointless yeah no. it was it was completely pointless but i will say the show gets like 50 dm messages about that a week it's like <laughs> and then, Hey, want, want, want some listeners? No, a-holes. I'd rather have people that actually listen to the show, not fake people. That'd be nice. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, shout out to the real listeners in the semi-regular <laughs> and regular uh, areas. We appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Mike, I've got I to gotta, I gotta open up the miscellaneous file here. 
Um, this was just a random thing here. I was I was thinking of. Uh, and I think this was before I watched the uh, Rick James documentary. Sweet. It doesn't really have anything to do with it. It was just uh, during TV watching, and uh, you know I'm an old school guy. I don't I don't stream usually. I'm usually I'm usually watching the old school TV with the real deal commercials, mm-hmm. and you know. I like to analyze commercials, and one came on there for medication, and I realized there's a disease out there that I feel like they really put almost zero effort into naming. Hmm. I realized that when I was watching the medication for it. The disease, heart failure. Hmm. Like, they didn't even try. Nope. Like, that's exactly what it is. They just said... What's going on? And didn't put any cool like like think about all the other heart maladies you have: myocardial infarction, pericarditis, preventricular contractions, atrial fibrillation, valve regurgitation, and then one of the most significant things ever: your heart isn't pumping enough. And they're like, "We need a cool name. What should we go with?" <laughs> well, the heart failed. How about heart failure? Like, what? Yeah. Come on. Very lazy. Lame. I was thinking about it. I'll give you one right now. You want one? Uh, 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 Let's rename it right now. I'm going to rename it Systemic Rigamosis. There we go. Systemic Rigamosis. Rigamosis. Am I right? What is Rigamosis? That sounds... I made it up. Okay. It's completely, it's completely made up. All I right. sort of took rig- rigor mortis, you know, <laughs> where you uh, get into a locked muscle stint, but mm-hmm. then I added systemic to it because, you know, your heart pumps blood to everywhere. So yeah. systemic rigamosis. Okay. There you go. That sounds good. That's the name. Yeah, right? You That's so much sell better some than medication with that. Yeah. Heart failure. Blam. Like, heart failure. Come on. Like, and then, like, you're about to die and you have to tell people that's it. They're just like, oh. That doesn't sound good. You're like, yeah, I know. But, like, you don't even get to explain anything cool. Like, when it's something like, you know, pericarditis, they're like, what's that? And then you got to go through and be mm-hmm. like, well, there's a lining of the heart, and it gets inflamed, and it's really bad. And people are like, oh, man. With heart failure, they're just like, oh, okay. That's it. Just gave That's up. it. So now, <laughs> systemic rigamosis. There you go. That's it. So from now on, listeners... Uh, if you hear the term systemic rigamosis, just be like, thanks to Doc G. Now he's spreading around <laughs> fake medical terms. Good. Um, okay. I had two quick stories that I wanted to bring up there, Mike. Uh, I really like this. I'm sorry. Some obituary writer is just like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that in. <laughs> If they do, it will be awesome. I will be... That would be even better than a comment or a like of the show. If I get fake medical terms attributed to me, I'd be like, yeah, I came up with that. That dead guy, I came up with that term. There you go. Um, Anyways, I've got a story here uh, from Elk County, Pennsylvania. Hmm... Just want to let people know there's a there's a robber going around in Elk County. People need to watch out for. So uh, there was a there's a robbery at a house on Coal Hollow Road. Which I mean, let's be honest, that doesn't sound like the most happening place no. in the world. But there was a robbery here on Coal Hollow Road, and they stole several thousand dollars worth of goods from this person's house. 
So uh, police are on the lookout for the person who stole these goods, and the person stole specifically 43 collectible cast iron skillets. Mm. Huh? In other news, Mike, there's a person in Pennsylvania who had 43 cast iron skillets. What? So true. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at that number of skillets, isn't the robber just doing that person a favor? Like, you've got a problem. You're a hoarder if you have 43 <laughs> cast iron skillets. And I also got to say, this has to be an inside job. Nobody, nobody who doesn't know that family, it just stumbles across 43 uh, cast iron skillets. It's like, holy Get the mother load of valuable <laughs> cast iron skillets. We need them all. And I was just like, so weird. Maybe they you know, uh, they were showing it off on Instagram Live or something. And uh, Oh, that's true. Know. That's true. Lurking. Somebody's lurking on there watching their, their skillets. <laughs> their cooking we show. All, we all know the people in Coal Hollow Road are big into social media. <laughs> Real. Do you, do you have a cast iron skillet, Mike? I had one and I used it once and ruined it and uh, threw it away. Oh, uh, you, you cleaned it. You didn't understand the whole seasoning deal. There were a lot of things that I did wrong, and uh, <laughs> I didn't watch enough YouTube videos. Uh, so that's yeah. understandable. That was it. Well, like that was in this news article. They listed like all the different. Like apparently, this person had them down to like every single thing they'd ever baked and and cooked in different skillets. Uh. Like they had a ham one they had a bacon one they had a steak one they had a, a cornbread one like all <laughs> cornbread all kinds yeah ah, cornbread man awesome. yeah 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 i think that's like that's basically the one that my mom used all the time as a kid like that was the only thing she used cast iron for was was the cornbread so you, true you had the cornbread in there but like this person you go over there and they're like hey we're having cereal in a cast iron skillet. And you're like, oh, thank God. Is it seasoned for Fruit Loops? Good. Nice. Uh, but I do have to follow up that skillet story, Mike. I think I know where the thieves went after their sweet haul of skillets. Because uh, at Clinton Township Senior Center, right beside uh, Detroit, they're also dealing with a robbery. Now, uh, the senior center is all about getting the seniors into activities, right? It's basically like a, a, mm -hmm. an activity center. Yeah. And uh, as their assistant director said, they're like a playground for seniors and retirees, which just sounds awesome when you hear it. That sounds pretty great. Yeah. Uh, this last week, they realized, though, that somebody had robbed the senior center. <laughs> and they robbed them of 300 pounds of produce from their community garden. Oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. They they stole squash, tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers. 300 pounds of those four vegetables, Mike. Yeah. Now, I mean, they didn't steal all of it, luckily. Because apparently last year they had about 1,500 pounds of produce, wow. which you got to give it to them. Those old people are making some produce there. Yeah. I mean, 1,500 pounds, that's doing it. Uh, and just a note, though, 
Apparently, the thieves, not carrot fans. They left all the carrots. Hmm. They did not touch the carrots. <laughs> so, I mean, we're looking out for somebody that's making delicious seasoned produce in seasoned skillets uh, that don't have carrots. That's a fact. That's... That's we've got the link to both robberies. They first yeah. went to Pennsylvania, then went to Detroit. I I did just like I thought about this one though, and I was just like, like I mean, I like what are you doing with that? With the three hundred belly, like, there's no black market for produce. Like you're not gonna <laughs> go to Win Dixie and be like, hey guys, three hundred pounds. What do you want? You want the squash, <laughs> the tomatoes, like. You're not, like, what are you doing? And you're, you can't eat it all. You're not going to go through 300 pounds of produce before that goes bad. No way. Like, are you just canning all of these vegetables? Are you a thiever, thieving canner that you're just like, <laughs> all right, I've got months worth of canned vegetables now. Like, just so weird. <laughs> we market. I don't know. I guess. I guess. I go know. go put a lock on a porta potty and sell <laughs> your canned goods. <laughs> Skillets. Anyways, okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. I've got a producer and writer of uh, movies, and I got an actor. They're both the same age, hmm. Mike. They were born in 1946. Which one do you want? The producer, director, writer, or the uh, the actor? I'm gonna go actor. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you like 72%. Okay. They're pretty known movies, but, you know, uh, sometimes the names slip. So, anyways. Born on September 15th, 1946 in San Saba, Texas. Our birthday suit wearer's parents were an oil field worker and a school teacher. He's very good. To uh, very good. Uh, I think I actually. Did I screw this up? No, okay, I didn't screw it up. I thought I was reading the wrong one. He was a very good student throughout high school and ended up going to Harvard. His uh, his first roommate being future vice president, Al Gore. Ooh. Crazy. Yeah. His major was English. He also played football for Harvard, where he was on their undefeated 1968 team. After college, he decided to make uh, the move to New York and try to be an actor. Started acting on Broadway and performed in plays like Ulysses in Nighttown. Then he uh, branched out to movies like Jackson County Jail and Rolling Thunder. In 1980, he landed his first Golden, uh, Golden Globe nomination for Coal Miner's Daughter. In the 1990s, he had several classic roles. He played Clay Shaw in the movie JFK. He played the prison warden in Natural Born Killers. He played Sam Gerard in one of his most famous roles in the movie Fugitive. He played two. Uh, he played Two Face in Batman Forever. Hmm. He played Agent K in Men in Black. And in 2008, he starred in No Country for Old Men. He has won Academy Awards, Golden Globes, and Emmys, and starred in over 60 movies. Name that birthday suit where? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones is correct. Yes. Nicely done. Which one did it for you? Which one uh, gave it away? A couple of them. Batman Forever, nice. first and foremost. Easy. Uh, yeah. But The Fugitive, awesome movie. And then yeah. uh, No Country no Country for Old Men. Duh. Amazing. I mean, I mean, Amazing. 
Fugitive, I Didn't Kill My Wife, I Don't Care. Classic. Yeah, great movie. Classic. I mean, you got Harrison Ford, too. Come on. That's just yeah, classic awesome. old dudes getting it done right there. Let's see. Tommy's turning four, uh, 75. 75. 75, yeah. Three quarters of a century for Tommy Lee. I had no idea that dude went to Harvard. Nope. Or played football at Harvard. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. And... Apparently uh, lived with Al Gore, so that's that's weird. That's, that's weird when they have their alumni, their reunions. Yeah, like you gotta. I mean, I'm guessing Harvard has a lot of successful people, but still, you do feel a little bit like you under underachieved when you're sitting there beside the <laughs> yeah. vice president and a dude that's uh, won countless awards in movies, and you're like, oh. Not anywhere close to these guys. Anyways, Tommy, happy birthday. Enjoy it. I'm sure you will. Uh, and interestingly enough, the director, producer we're going to have for the, the last birthday suit worked with him several times. Cool. Wild. Yeah, and they've got the same birthday. Hmm. I'm betting at some point in time on those movies, they were like, hey, do you realize we're the exact same age? Hmm. That's wild. We were born on the same day. Nuts. Anyways, we're going to take a break. We are going to be right back. None other than E.G. Vines here on the Doc G Show. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are extremely excited to welcome Nashville rocker, singer, songwriter, Mr. E.G. Vines. E.G., how are you? What's up? Doing good. Doing good. Happy to be with you today. Yeah, so you've got uh, you've got Texas. Texas this week. Um, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. Have you, uh, have you gigged the Lone Star State in the past? Um, I have. We so I went down there right before the pandemic kicked in, mm -hmm. uh, beginning of twenty. I was actually down there uh, doing a little solo run. So this is the first time I've taken my band with me. Nice, nice. Was it was it good the first time to you there when you did the solo run? Yeah, it was cool. Um, yeah, we'll be playing a few different rooms because I played a you know a couple more listening rooms and that kind of thing last time and. Uh, um, more minds to put together to figure out the best brisket while we're popping across the state. <laughs> it's definitely, you realize when you're going across Texas, oh, right, this state is huge. That's a fact. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are sort of staying uh, east, east Texas, though, I noticed. You know, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, so... At least you're not going. Yeah, kind of hitting those four this time. Yeah, we're not going to Lubbock or further. Out yeah, yeah, not this time. Going Amarillo and and Lubbock, that would be. Whew, then you really get some miles going. Um, yeah. So so you grew up though. You grew up neighboring state in Arkansas. That's the home state. 
That's right. Yep. Nice. For uh, we've had uh, we've had a couple of guests from uh, from Arkansas originally, and of course, also home to the one and only Scotty Pippen. Now, I uh, that's right. I, I couldn't help but notice. On one of the recent Instagram posts, you were rocking a, a Chicago Bulls three-peat shirt. Hmm. Are you? Were you a fan of the '90s Bulls? Did you? Did you watch the Last Dance? I, I did. I watched the Last Dance. Absolutely. I was listening to one of your shows the other day, and uh, nice. The Last Dance was definitely referenced. Yes, um, that's right. Oh yeah, that that was a, a pandemic treat for for all of us. That you know, I grew up, you know, as a kid trying to play basketball, emulating Jordan and, and Scotty. So nice. Uh, I, <laughs> I was I was more of a Suns fan, you know. Growing up in Arkansas, you kind of can pick whatever team you want, but yeah. you know, but a, a place like that that doesn't have his own team normally has like three or four teams for every sport that are like the winning team, you know, Forty like ers <laughs> and Cowboys and football or whatever. But um, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't. A, I, I like watching the Bulls, but I actually found that shirt at a thrift store a few years ago, oh, and man. I was like, why is this in here? Like, let me, I'll pay you a hundred dollars for this. <laughs> That's sort of like I had a uh, we had uh, Grayson Jenkins on the show from Kentucky and uh, he um, he had a he had a Trailblazer shirt on in one of his and it was an '89 Trailblazer shirt and I was like are are you a fan of the '89 Trailblazers and he was like oh no one of my friends you know that's the year I was born and they were like hey got this shirt with your year that you were born on it so. <laughs> I got it for that. And I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. I was about to say, if you were specifically just that season fan of the uh, Blazers, right. that'd be a little weird. But, you know. Uh, Clyde the Glide, he had a great year in 89, you know. He did. He actually really did. I mean, although you, you wonder, it took him so long to shave his whole head. Wait, what? Like, he left the horseshoe <laughs> right. for a really long time that I was just like, I mean, I respect it. He was just like, you know what? Leave this. Who cares? But I mean, it's not a bad look for him, you know? Some people, not so much, but I, I thought it was a decent look for the guy. I, if you're that athletic and that lean, I think it can really, anything can look okay, you know? I mean, I feel like if, if Clyde the glide was like five nine and two hundred and fifty pounds. It probably probably wouldn't look as smooth. But when you're six seven yeah, and three percent body fat, you're looking you're looking pretty good, regardless, you know. Plus, Clyde, yeah, he's like point. the peak panther. He's just smooth. He was just smooth altogether. That's why he's Clyde the glide. Anyways, I got derailed. Yes! I when did you first get? Because I heard you were in a cover band uh, in high school. Uh, mainly, mainly Metallica, heavy stuff. Now, but did you did you start playing music before that? What got you actually playing music to start with? Um, I I picked up guitar like fourteen or fifteen. I wanted to play. Um, I guess I was fourteen or fifteen. It was in the late nineties. I wanted to play, you know, a bunch of Stone Temple Pilots songs nice. and. Uh, Radiohead's OK Computer just came out, and I, I I heard Karma Police, and I was like, oh, I want to play that on acoustic. Nice. Um, uh, so hearing like um, those alternative bands and grunge, you know, '90s stuff, kind of made me want to play guitar. Yeah. I I didn't really want to sing, but um, <laughs> my my friend's band, I'd always told them how to play guitar, and they had a a singer call out like four days before a show. And it was like, you know, there are two gigs they have in a year. So it was really important. And I said, dude, if you, you know, if you can learn all these songs in four days, like, and can come sing and play guitar, like you're in the band. So of course I listened to a bunch of Metallica and, 
and I, I remember as a kid, I you know I really like basketball, and I remember it was NCAA tournament, and I was like, oh crap, I gotta miss the first weekend of the tournament. Lame. Uh, to learn all this stuff, but I did, and uh, we went and played it, and then I guess I became a singer. Nice. Nice. Now I'm. I mean, I'm guessing, man, that's it's a big step to get ready to sing "Ride the Lightning." Uh, when you start there, I mean, you know, Metallica songs. Were you ready to hit those screams, or was that was oh, no, that rough was going? Terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was really a terrible singer for a long time. I, uh, you know, once we got like the iPhone, and I started like recording myself all the time, and I mm. go, "Wow, that's not as good as I thought it was." <laughs> um, In my head, I, I that sounded so great. Yeah, it's like anything else. You gotta you gotta practice. You gotta know how to do it the right way. And I think I just. You know, back then we just did what we could to to get the gigs and move on. And yeah. um, you know, I, I liked the alt stuff. They loved Metallica, so we kind of split in the middle, and it'd be like five of each at an hour set. Gotcha. You know? So I was uh, St- made my right right hand pretty fast with the, the chugs that James can do on the guitar too. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to downstroke the crap out of it there. Um, yep. Now, speaking of inspiration, I saw that a couple of uh, years back there around record day. You you posted your five favorite albums, which I'll give it to you. That's a tough thing to do. Yes! Like, to narrow it down to five, that's... that's. I feel like I'd have, like, 260 honorable mentions. Yes! They'd be like, yeah, this one... This one's close, too. This I just put this one in there as well. But I wanted to go through those. Uh, num- yeah. Number five on your list... Like you mentioned before, let, let me preface this by saying if I did it today, it could be. I don't even remember exactly. Like, okay, I know so, at least one of those records would, would be in my top five today. But yeah, let's go through because I, I mean, I bet there's still. I was about in the to top say 10 it'll be a new reveal for you too. So that's good. Uh, number five, Purple Stone Temple Pilots. Now, I I love Stone Temple Pilots. As the listeners know, I think they're super underrated. Uh, tell me. Tell me what you love about Purple and and, and, and STP. Um, I mean, as far as rock vocalists, I mean, Scott, he could be the best. He's, yeah. he's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love I love watching him perform back in the day. Oh, yeah. I, I like that album more than the other albums because they experimented a lot more. There was acoustic. You know, it was kind of like uh, Led Zeppelin doing three or something. They yeah. Just, they they dug into the production style. You know, core is great, but it's just heavy in your face the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought with purple, it was just so many different textures. Uh, mm-hmm. Several, like a handful of just insanely classic good songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the stuff that you know might not be considered a classic song is just something really cool, like unglued or pretty penny or something that just kind of rounds out the record and i just think front to back listens uh you know as a nine-year-old kid or whatever one of the first records i my first cds i ever owned it was just front to back amazing and you know i still think that today i don't skip a song on it never have i was i was thinking i mean like i usually do like comparison of the the big songs on there and you know interstate love song and big empty I don't know if you're beating Interstate Love Song and Big Empty. Those two. Yeah, I'm the same. Big Empty's probably my favorite it's, song of theirs of all time. And I remember my friend Drew when I was a kid. That was he, his dad kind of helped get me into a lot of music. You know, my I grew up in a conservative household, and they weren't like, you know, it wasn't 
it wasn't a household where you could only listen to like Christian music or whatever, but yeah. I wasn't getting turned on to things there. And of course, if they heard, you know, it's frowned bad upon. lyrics, or whatever. Yeah. They would, yeah. But, uh, he, you know, he, I remember him playing big empty and I remember hearing the, the slide guitar mm-hmm. and like, like my mind was blown. Like, and he would tell me, you know, he was a musician too. So he'd tell me like certain things about how they recorded this or whatever. And just like, nice. I was totally hooked right away. I remember me and my brother, uh, got that on tape. And uh, my grandma had a rule in the in her car: as long as she could understand the uh, understand the lyrics, she didn't care. So uh, she listened to Big Empty. She could she could understand the lyrics. So she said, "Whatever." She knew what's happening. It. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember driving around in 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 Meemaw's Cadillac. Uh, rocking out Big Empty, and it was good, man. It was good. That's so true. I definitely. It's. I don't know if it's in, like like I said, top five. It's tough, man. So you know, I, I put I put it somewhere up there. It's definitely somewhere up close to my top five. Uh, number four, you put in Led Zeppelin three. So why three? Why not four or two? Because I love some four and I love some two. That's yeah. I mean, you know, most of my life I would have said to it was just the the riffs on that record are just insane. Oh yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm today. I might say too. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think at the time I was listening to more uh, had the acoustic, acoustic stuff in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, the just the just some of the darker textures they came up with on some of the acoustic songs. I mean, it, it's just such a diverse record oh yeah uh another yeah, I mean, one that i that i totally listened to front to back and i think that was kind of them realizing they could do more stuff and just kind I'm, of figured out a thing i mean it's insane you start with immigrant song and then all of a sudden you go into tangerine and you're like what wait did that just happen and those are two of my top 10 songs uh maybe even top five of theirs of all time so yeah you know if we're doing that hey look at the the top couple lines yeah. like yeah. Those, those are tough for me to beat and see you know that's since i've been loving you and my friends it's just like yeah i don't know it's tough for me that's i mean and being being a former drummer for me when the levee breaks that's why i have to go for is you got when the levee breaks you got stairway like it's it's tough to be and then of course going to california so it's uh for the, I mean, the, like that, I, I have that conversation with so many people though about Zeppelin. Just one, two, three, and four. It's just yep. insane the amount of awesome songs in those four albums. Like, and this is in three years time period. Three years you go That's with insane, those. Yeah. Just how much Jimmy Page held on to in his mind, like saving up for those. Crazy. Um, number three on your list. Jason Isbell, uh, something more than free. Grammy Award winner. Why is that going in the top three? What do you love about it? Um, I think that record, it just had so much impact on me because I'd done the band thing. I moved up here in 2010 after college, yeah. 2009, end of nine and 10. And I played in rock bands for five or six years and yeah. had a lot of fun doing it, you know, but I was doing the riff rock, you know, building songs off a of riff. And, you know, it's all fun and good, but I, I, I remember. I started writing some folksier songs and I sat down and like, I think when Southeastern came out, I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. With where I was as a, as a player, a musician and person, whatever. And then I think when something more than free came out, it just hit me at the right time. And I heard, um, I was trying to think maybe, um, speed trap town and children Mm -hmm. of children. I heard, I heard a couple of those songs and I just was like, 
I've got to get to work. This guy is like light years ahead of me as a writer. And like, I knew I wanted to write songs like that. So it just kind of like lit a fire under my ass, I guess. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that album you, you, you see is, you see his songwriting ability for sure. I mean, obviously there's a reason why I won a Grammy and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, very, very good. Very good. Um, number two, Neil Young, Harvest. Now, going to the University of Alabama, you better have some validation for putting an album that has a judgy song on Alabama in there. That's, <laughs> come on now. Uh, give it, give it to me. Why is Neil Young, Harvest there? Uh, I mean, the songs are so good. And I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that he doesn't, back down from what he wants to say and um mm -hmm. you know I, I might approach it a little different way but um that's a, that's a killer song and you know sometimes things need to be said yeah and, uh, you know he might you know he might say over sweep some generalities every once in a while but i've just always appreciated the way he says what he wants to say and you know not only that like i, I like dylan i love dylan he's probably the best songwriter of all time but i feel like neil young just always had such an ear for a catchy melody too oh yeah so i i really appreciate the way that album is so lyrically focused but also like almost every song on that record has such a good melody um or hook or you know it's built um not just about what he's saying but yeah. about the music behind it oh yeah well i mean that's that if it were a song with the only or the an album with only alabama i'd definitely argue it uh with you but when when you've got heart of gold and needle uh and the damage done and old man on there yeah yeah that's it's hard yeah to i mean needle and the damage done is just a song you just hear and you go whoa like yeah um, and both, I don't know. An old man is, is amazing. Of course, I, all those songs you mentioned are just insane. I was about to say, old man, just the, the perspective that you have in that song and the, you know, the realization and just the, I mean, it's something that everybody sort of knows. It's one of those things that everybody knows and understands, but the way that, like you said, he, he packages it and puts it into that song with the melody. So good. And his harmonies, obviously just super impressive, but I will say, you put comparison of Alabama to Sweet Home Alabama, Leonard Skinner topped him on that one. On that one song. That song. Well, you're from Jacksonville, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I would be ran out of town if you badmouth Leonard Skinner. You can't do that. You can't do it. I, I love Leonard Skinner. They're in my honorable mention. And I, I will say, too, I will mention to the listeners, in uh, Neil Young's uh, autobiography, he said he doesn't like the words of Alabama anymore when he listens to it. He said they're they're accusatory, they're condescending, not yep. fully thought out, and too easy to misconstrue, which is true. I will say it was like you said, is a little blankety on that song, but still needed to He's be said. He's also 24, I think, yeah, when he wrote it. Exactly. Um, you know, like exactly. I think about the I was writing when I was twenty four, and it was garbage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the yeah. fact that he's even trying to like make a statement that means something at 24, I'm like, that's well, and, hard, to, hard to judge someone at that age. And, and like I said, on the other songs, The Heart of Gold, Needle and the Damage Done, Old Man, those statements and the things that he said were amazing. So, yep. you know. Uh, number one, threw me for a loop because I wasn't in this gang, but you've already mentioned it once. OK Computer, Radiohead. Uh... Yep. Why does Radiohead hold that number one spot? 
Um, you know, it was again one of the first CDs I ever had, and I I had never heard anything like it. Yeah. Um, and and I was a couple years into listening to music, I guess at that point, like for my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just totally opened my mind up. I heard the first time I heard um, Paranoid Android and saw the music video, and mm-hmm. I was just like, "What is this band?" <laughs> um, and then Karma Police, and just I listened to the whole record, and like still to this day, that record just sound wise and even the lyrics of there was a point in my life you know i just listened to the sonic uh parts of the music and yeah. uh, production more and then like the more i listen to it, i'm like wow there's a bunch of good lyrics here too and yeah I, I don't know that anybody sells a song better than tom york um and he just i don't know something about the way he sings and the messages he delivered just really connect with me he believes it he, I mean, he feels it a hundred percent through his body. That is, it's like you said. He's he sells he sells it, and uh, you you see it for sure. And I'm always surprised by how many people on the show from different genres and different backgrounds are influenced by Radiohead. Uh, it, it yeah, it, I just I don't understand. Some people don't get like I have that conversation when I tell people who my favorite band is. Some people are like half of the people are like I don't get Radiohead, and I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what's uh, what's the misconnection there because I, I literally probably last year I I listened to about forty percent Radiohead of everything I listened to. Maybe it was a pandemic and weird times, but like I don't know. And then I'll talk to someone. And they're like, man, I don't. I, I don't understand Radiohead. I'm like, wow. <laughs> the 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 creep fans. It's creep, and that's about it. That's as far as they could, dig yeah, into Radiohead. <laughs> but uh, it's a good list, man. Five five albums, Thanks. five solid uh, albums there. Of, and I'm sure, like you said, you could probably do a whole new one of why. I know I could. I mean, you know, as far as, like like I said, I'd have so many backups that, like, ah, oh, I could put that there. Uh, I could probably go in the top five to choose five. That's tough. I'll give you I'll give you credit just for doing that, just for actually saying here it is. That's impressive. It's hard to put them down. Yep. Now, you like like we said earlier, so after you were in the you're doing the music thing in high school, uh you're doing some cover stuff. You go to the University of Alabama. When you went to school, were you in the mindset that music was it or was it, were you in the mindset of Music is a side hustle. I'm I'm doing something else for the actual career. Uh, I mean, I've always known I wanted to do music. I just kind of you couldn't convince yourself. With, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I it, it, I was subduing it with partying and football. You know, I literally would go to all the road trips and every like football season was its own thing. And then <laughs> you know we partied like freaking fools for yeah. four years straight. You know, it's. I think it's easy to go to college and kind of forget. forget what you're trying to do. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so I did that and, you know, even people would ask and I, I got a good degree in finance and, you know, I did well in school. School was always been pretty easy for me. So of course, you know, I have the stock answer when I talk to my parents, friends, or what are you going to do after this? And yeah, I don't know. I just think I, uh, I just think I denied it for a long time and yeah, you know, cause in the back of your head, you, you realize how hard, doing yeah. music is and um you know sometimes i i don't know what the exact um phrase is like comfort is the enemy of great or something along those lines and and it really is because if you're if you're comfortable you're not gonna fight and and do all the thing you know sleep on couches and 
play for eight people and do the things you have to do to to get moving in music. Yeah, yeah, comfortable for, for sure. The safety net, the safety net's always there. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, now were you? Now you're talking about football season. Did you get any Nick Saban years before you graduated, or was that after you graduated? One. One. I, got the, I got the first one, the one that sucked. The, I was about to say, the rough one. Dang. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, we lost to Louisiana Monroe. We're like, oh, my God, maybe we weren't so who we thought we were when we hired this man. Good thing you gave him some time, though. That's a real good yeah. thing you gave him some time. <laughs> you, you listen to that guy talk, and you're like, there's no way he's not going to be successful. He's just so put the, together. and The belief, Commands man. respect. Yeah, and, I mean, I knew it would happen. It just the timing of when it did. So, you know, I, I could at least claim that I'm a I'm a real fan. I was there during the Sheila years. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, it blows me away, right? Because I did my undergrad at Miami, so I was watching the Miami-Alabama game. But, like, it amazes me because Alabama lost so many players, and he's got such a machine and he has them so well conditioned to know, hey, you guys haven't won anything. You didn't prove yep. anything. And like and they know it. And like I mean that through the whole game there's almost no celebration. It's like this is our business. And I mean no other coach comes close to being able to do that. Like he just No, and then this this week we gave up uh, 14 or whatever it was to Mercer, and I think the, oh, he the was, line was like 55 on the game. You know, we won by like 29 or something. So he's he was inflamed. It's perfect for him. Yeah, and yeah. This is his this is his way to make us practice harder than we ever had this week. Yeah, and, you know, he's in the back of his head. He's just smiling, looking at the final score and the way we played down the stretch, and he's going to use it this week to. Bust he the yeah, he knows it. It's it's impressive. Man. It's impressive. Who 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 do they have this week? Who's 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 this week coming for? Uh, we got Florida coming up. Oh, yeah. UF. Decent, oh, decent test. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, you know, I obviously here at Jacksonville know a lot of UF folks, and they're confident this year. They're confident. So. Yeah, I mean. Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts were pretty special last year, and they don't have them around anymore. So they we'll got see. Emory. Emory looks pretty. I, I mean, they played USF last week, and they looked fairly yep. okay there. So I don't, you know, we'll see. I mean, that's the tough thing, too, with Alabama, is Alabama gets the hardest from everybody. Everybody. It's like the Bulls in the 90s. They got it circled. Every single week, this is who we're going at. Like, this is... Yep. And they get their best. So, like, it's hats off to them, man. Impressive. And it's got to be good to be an alumni. That's got to be a fun fun thing to go through football season with that. Yep. Now, you went – now, how long was it after Alabama that you did move to Nashville? Uh, Within a year or so. Moved up here. Now, did you 09. move for a regular – for a desk job or was it both? Uh, I moved up here to get a desk job and to – start meeting people for music gotcha so it was a little combo uh yep now if i now this is my classic question about nashville if i come to nashville and i tell you i've got one night in nashville and ask for a place to eat where are you telling me hmm. what what's the go-to that's gonna make you feel nashville-y for food yep uh, do I ask them what type of food, or just give them a spot? Do you want? Do you want to? Do you want me to give you a, uh, a type? Uh, I, I mean, first I would say you go eat hot chicken. Yeah, yeah. And okay. I would say Prince's, but the the problem with Prince's is the uh, the main location burnt down. So I haven't been to the one in Nolansville, which is now their main location. Mm. Um, 
so I can't confirm how great it is, but I would I would say start there to be honest. Nice Prince's hot chicken. Yeah, oh yeah. And now, but it, yeah, if you have a food type, I'll give you something. Okay, so let's say if I go, what if I do barbecue? What are you going to give me on barbecue? Uh, do you are you going for ribs, pulled pork? What's your kind of cup of tea? I'll I'll do whatever, but let's let's say uh, pulled pork. Um, I'd probably go to. Um, I go to Martin's or Edley's. We have three good spots. I'd say Martin's or Martin or Edley's for your standard fair barbecue. Nice, um, nice. All, all the standard stuff. And then if you want ribs, go to Peg Leg Porker and use their dry rub. Peg Leg. Oh, I love a dry rub. That's my favorite. That's nice. It's pretty awesome. I get the hot sauce on the, the hot barbecue sauce on the side. Mm. Uh, do the dry rub ribs. Mm. Dip it at your your leisure. Oh. Get the the crinkle fries, and you're in heaven. Oh man! Now, yeah, I, now I've been to Martin's. That was recommended to us way back, and when I last time I was in, we we did a little documentation of going to Martin's, and it definitely solid. You can definitely, I could definitely get some get some extra pounds there. That's for sure. Uh, oh yeah, no doubt. Good thing no or none are near me. Now in Nashville, before we go into some more of your your music there, you actually just recently got to play at the famous Exit Inn, um, who's hosted about everybody uh, ever yep. That's a fact. Uh, for the past fifty years. How was how was the show? It was awesome. Nice. Um, probably up there with favorite shows I've ever played because I've you know since I moved here at the end of '09, I've probably been to. 75 shows in there yeah um then finally getting to headline it we had a full house as far as uh, what they were allowing in for covid they did half capacity and we were literally three shy of a sellout very cool um, on that so it was it was as packed as that uh portion could be and um man it's just uh it's one of those rooms you just they have all the names on the wall you feel and, it. yeah you walk in and and see john fogarty tom petty and the list goes on and on, Dire Straits, and you're just reading them as you go, R.E.M., and yeah. you go, okay, cool, this is happening. <laughs> it's it's one of those, you know, I talk to a lot of the West Coast folks when they when they play the Troubadour, and you just feel it, you know, you feel the history in there, and I feel like you can't not in the exit in. Like, how do you separate it from the history? It's you, you've got you've got it all, like you said, on the wall. It's crazy. Yeah, we had initially booked it. They were doing an outdoor thing. You know, when we were booking back in March, we didn't know who was going to be hosting shows, indoor, outdoor, whatever. And yeah. At the time we booked it, it was okay. This is for outside, but there's a chance we can move it inside if you know. Mm. things progress the way we need to and then like nice a month before he was like hey do you want to move it inside i said yes awesome yeah that's got so we did very nice very nice well now before you 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 mentioned before you went solo you had a couple of bands uh one cent stamp bandoliers what what made you decide to go solo after the two bands was it just the you know, working it out between the bandmates that that was too much that you you had solo ideas you wanted to go with. What what was eventually the the turning point? Yeah, I mean, it was probably a little of both. I I did like I said when I started listening to Isbel and started getting back into Bob Dylan, I realized that like, and I'd written a couple songs more in that variety, and people you know tend to kind of gravitate to him and say hey you got a, I think you have a knack for this so yeah i think it was me wanting to move in that direction and yeah i mean bands are hard mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. 
the problem the problem that tends to happen in bands is you get one or two of the four or five people that are really bought into something yeah. and that may change over time depending on where these people are in their lives but one or two people working really hard at something and then you got two or three they're just kind of sitting and not doing so much or yeah you know being negative behind your back or whatever and eventually that wears you down and instead of uh everybody being productive it it slows down and you can't figure out when we're going to tour when we're going to do this because people yeah. just don't their schedules don't line up and um you know the special bands that you see the the radio heads and the um pearl jams and chili peppers and all these bands that have been around forever like yeah they get along and they you know they know their role and they figure it out and yeah yeah that's not easy to do i think it takes a special group of people and like a special mindset and um 100 yeah I, it's just hard. Bands are hard. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've, I've said it to multiple guests, but I mean, it's it's like having uh, however many people. It's having that many people uh, marriage too. You know, yep. I mean, and uh, that's that's a thing that it's like you said. The Chili Peppers they always amaze me with because they're so different too. They're all such different personalities, but somehow they make it work in that in that band and so and i'm and like you said they've made it work for 40 years which is yep. insane but uh totally get it now when you switched to solo did uh, how long was it before that you quit that regular job to sort of dive head into music and did you have was there a specific point or was it just sort of pressure over time that made you want to quit was there is there a specific point that you remember like no nope, got to do music got to go this way yeah i mean we so i did a, a five song ep in 2018 and yeah that was me just kind of trying to figure Conversation. out uh yeah, yeah you know there's a few good songs on there that was me just kind of trying to figure out who i was what i was what i was about yeah um and then i kind of got into writing at that point um i kind of learned to write like 100 songs a year which i've done the last few years and just keep digging to kind of figure out what my sound was. And um, I wrote, I guess when I was about to release my EP late 2018, I'd written uh, the song The Salesman. Yeah. And I played it back then. I played it solo and I, I played it at the uh, EP release show. Mm -hmm. And literally everyone I talked to after the show didn't say anything about the EP. They were just <laughs> like, The Salesman song is really good. And you were like, don't talk so, about that. I haven't put that on yeah. that. Come on now. Jeez. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> recorded it yet. But I think that was the first time. I mean, we had had some radio success in a previous band uh, with a song or two, too. But that was the first time with my solo stuff that, that there was a song that I just, every time I played it, it would shut the room up. People connected to it. Um, and I knew if I could do that once, I just needed the time and space to, to keep working on doing that again. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I've seen so many artists that try to just do it as a side hustle, and it, it never gets them where they're going. So I knew if I didn't hit the road and do some solo, some band stuff, and just kind of get after it, like it was never going to get any any better overall. I wasn't going to play the rooms I wanted to play if I didn't yeah. uh, make the switch. Nice, nice. And so when when did you make the full switch? Was that after the EP? You know, right. Right before COVID. Ah, of course. The best time. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the timing was absolutely terrible. Um, it was, yeah, I think it was in October or something like that. I released the album. And that's around when I kind of went to my boss and said, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna plan to be on the road a lot next year. And, you know, maybe we need to bring somebody else in for me. And uh, 
but they uh, slow played the hire. So luckily during the pandemic, I was you still half. I was still half time. Gotcha. There, so gotcha. But yeah, that uh, so that helped with the bills. Couldn't 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 be worse as far as a uh, getting on the road sort of thing with COVID. That's uh, man. Yeah. Horrible time. Horrible time. Uh, yeah, I think they thought I was going to come back because they were like, "Oh, you know, I know things aren't going so well." They're like, "What would you think about you know?" Like basically tried to get me a promotion too, and I'm just like, "Look, I can't." This is a circumstance I was dealt, but like at some point we'll get through this, and yeah. and I can still use that extra. 20 to 30 hours of right. half time a week to work on my uh, craft yeah. still. Yeah. So I, I was like, I'm going to keep charting this course. And whenever the road opens back up, it opens it back up. And now, now you're on it. Now, now you're back. Now you're at least yeah, some working back. our way back in. Yeah. Yep. Now you mentioned it writing like that hundred songs. Was, was that the same here on, uh, through the mirror? Did you, I mean, building up to that, was that, I mean, you know, around a hundred songs this past year for it? Yep. I think, um, I think maybe in 18, I wrote about 180 to a hundred. And then in 19, I definitely wrote 120 or so. Wow. And I think same thing last year. Um, now for this I'm album, probably did, not you, on the same, did you pull from the same group? Did you pull all from that? Like, I mean, were there older songs from like the 2018 group that you pulled for through the mirror or were they all from the, the year once you started recording? These were from uh, 19 and 20. Gotcha. Uh, well, one of the songs might have made it from 18. You know, kind of uh, those songs kind of all fit together. Yeah. So I have a, another couple albums that are kind of out there in my head. Of nice. Songs that I feel have something special about them, but they, they have a certain Go together. vibe or feel. And yeah. Yeah, you know, I like, I like, not to say I won't release more singles, but I like the idea of an album and a kind of cohesive feel to it. And um, so we just, I, I'd come up with a group that I'd started writing in 2020 after all the chaos was happening. And there's five or six sitting there that I thought, wow, these, these all kind of go together. Yeah. Um, and then I would go back to their old demos and go, wow, this, this actually fits pretty good with it. Yeah. Um, and then we sat with the band and we kind of, uh, came up with some arrangements and and got them got the album through the mirror what would you say was the overall feel what were you looking for with through the mirror oh i i don't know it's just kind of uh it, it's a it's talking about the current state of the world i think yeah and um it's a little off yeah um it's aggressive in places but it's you know a lot of it you know talks about social media and just other things that mm -hmm. i think we've kind of lost our minds a little bit and overindulged yeah yeah and it's not you know some of it's probably me making statements but i think most of it's like me questioning and i hope when people listen to it and realize it was written during that time period they just you know five years from now they'll go back and listen and, and like feel realize. those things again and go yeah I, yeah I remember living in 2020 and that's what this album feels like that's yeah that's kind of my hope for it gotcha but now like i feel like you've got some some real strong uh, maybe you don't. I don't know if you feel this, but I feel like there's some real strong '90s rock vibes on Royal Diplomat. Like when you listen to oh, yeah. that, there's that hard sort of. I don't know. I get some Smashing Pumpkins in there. I get a little Radiohead yep. in there. Uh, are you ever actively putting those influences into the song, or is it just whatever you write? You say, "Oh, you know what? This does sound a little bit like that." Uh, is it is it actively like going, "Okay, I'm going to make this." have that 90s flair or do you just write and whatever comes out comes out i write and whatever comes out comes out but then you know 
we might push it a little bit further in a yeah. direction if we hear it. You know, if you if you hear a thing that's happening and you go, okay, well, that's kind of reminiscent of that. Yeah, I might go back and listen to those records and just try to figure out what made that cool or what were they doing. Um, but I do try to steer clear of just uh, you know some of your record and it's just so retro and yeah. it sounds like. I'm not going to name any bands, but people might sound just like Led Zeppelin or yeah. something like that. And they clearly target everything about the sound, right. the way it was mic'd, the way everything was done. And like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Right. Um, but I want to go back to listen to those records and go, wow, why was that special or what was cool about it or what connects with me? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe try to utilize that within, in, instead of just being like, let's make it sound like Siamese yeah. uh, Dream. Yeah. Well, now... You worked with this album, uh, Dylan Aldridge, uh, at at Skinny Elephant. Yep. F- family business. You had different producer. You had Jordan Laning. Um, yep. How how were the producers different? And like, why why did you decide to go with Dylan on this? What what did you want to see out of this as far as production? Um, well, this one I was uh, so Ben Cunningham, my bass player, and I we uh, we kind of it was all a co production effort with Dylan. Yeah. Um, we, we put in a ton of the pre-pro and all that. Um, I, I, I liked Dylan and I have been friends. Uh, we've played in uh, bands that have shared bills and stuff like that for a uh-huh. few years. And just talking to him about music, I'd recorded one other thing with him. Uh, really cool, really laid back, uh, good engineer, good mixing, has, has good ideas. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted um, kind of a collaborative effort, I guess. Yeah. Whereas the record before... Jordan Lenning is an amazing musical mind, amazing For sure. producer. Yeah. Um, he also costs a little more. You know, <laughs> you kind of go, okay, we got to come in here. And sometimes we use studio musicians. For the most part, we use my band. But um, you kind of come in and it's you kind of tell him a few things, but he kind of has the vision. He kind of right. the path. And on this one, I kind of wanted to do something different. I didn't want it to sound like anyone else. And I wanted to uh, just bounce it off of some good musical minds and see what happened. And that's kind of why we yeah. figured out we did. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, you know, that's a different approach. Sort of like uh, watching Metallica there, some kind of monster, when Bob Rock became sort of the fifth member of uh, of uh, Metallica, and it was just sort of like, we could do this. No, I don't like that. Okay, we could go with this. Okay, that sounds right. good. Like, you know, so, yeah, totally. Uh, you get a, you get a little more influence, obviously, on the sophomore album there. Yeah, and there, I, I have no clue what we'll do on the next one. I... I like the idea of switching something up every time, but for sure, maybe we work with Dylan again. Maybe we don't, but um, I, I just think every record is its own beast and entity, and like I don't want to make the next one sound like this one. So definitely, who knows what what's next? But definitely came out good. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Thank of, you. of uh, Royal Diplomat. That's uh, I think that's my favorite. I'm still still mulling awesome. over, but I really like that sound on it. Yeah, cool. Now. It's been out for about two weeks or so. How, how do you think the response has gone so far? Oh, it's been great. I mean, we've had had some decent publications review it, um, gotten some doors opened at some, some local spots that probably weren't open before. Nice. Um, you know, I get a lot of uh, random... It's funny how many people in the UK really like it. I mean, we've, sure. we've really got to set up a tour there next year. Because um, anytime I, I... I hate Facebook, but... Anytime I go on there and see a notification, it's like someone in the UK has tagged you, and then I'll go look, and these random people are like, "Yeah, I love EG Vines." I'm like, "How do you know who I am?" They—it's um, it, amazing. Europe, Europe loves pure rock and Americana. 
They like yeah. uh, the both both the UK and Germany, Sweden, Finland. Like I've had so many artists, country, Americana, rock, that you know, for whatever reason. I mean, some of them have a big following in America, but they have even just more fervent fans that just love that in in Europe. It's impressive, man, and it's you know. Yeah, and hearing that, and then I guess hearing uh, you know people that have been around for a long time just appreciating the progression of music, and um, I, I'm very encouraged by you know with, nice. with what's happened with the last year and not being able to really grow the way we wanted to with the way everything went yeah i think we did as good of a job as we could of getting it to people and you know we're obviously going to do that more with this fall and winter by playing shows yeah yeah well that's what i was going to say i mean i know you've got i looked at uh looked at the list you've got some cool places coming uh in the the rest of 2021 you got atlanta down the road uh, in, in November, actually, uh, a cool, cool location in Atlanta. You got near my hometown, uh, originally where I grew up in Roanoke, uh, Virginia. Uh, what else do you got? What do you want to accomplish in 2021? What do you want to see? Is it just more shows? The more shows, the better? You know, it was going to, we've had some things unfortunately cancel. So like some of the Northeast stuff we were planning on having is mm-hmm. just in the last little bit has gone to the wayside. We lost the festival slot and a few other things. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, it, it, unfortunately, it's just kind of, uh, keep playing it by ear. Um, yeah. We, we're going to fill in that run. We're going to do Roanoke and DC and Atlanta. So we'll have, you know, we'll have several runs here and there. I'll pepper in some solo runs, but, um, also we're going to sit down and I've got the home set up ready to go and start demoing some new stuff. Nice. Um, I can control, I know I can control that. So, <laughs> um, We'll pick a couple weeks here and there to just really grind and focus on um, working on the material and just figuring out what's next instead of um, things that are out of my control. I like it. The work never ends, man. Never ends. It's good stuff. Nope. Keep the good music coming. EG, we are against a break, man, but I want to thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was a great time. For sure. Listeners, you can check out all things EG at egvines.com. You can follow him on Instagram at egvines, or you can stream him on any musical stream. Right now, let's hear the Royal Diplomat right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. E.G. Vines working his way through Texas, folks. Working his way to all the gigs that he has scheduled there. If you're in Texas, check him out. If you're in Nashville, check out his recommendations for barbecue. You know, me and me and Mike sure did over the break. We definitely checked him out. I I know Mike's choice has got to be Edley's because of the uh, burn ins. Am I right, Mike? Oh yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I I'm, I'm guessing. Have, I forget. Have you been to Nashville before, Mike? No, never. No, not yet. Never. No. Okay. Well, it, uh, I you know I have frequented Nashville and I have like I told E.G. gone to Martin's. That's a fact. Martin's was good, man. It was good. And I went there probably at not such a good time to go to a barbecue restaurant. Because, you know, if they're a real deal barbecue restaurant, you want to get there like as soon as they open. Because that's when they got all the freshest smoked meat there that they've been smoking for the last like 12, 18 hours. That's the Uh. real deal stuff coming fresh off the the hog. Because, you know, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but usually like unless they've got a huge operation that they literally have pit masters going 24 hours a day, which sometimes happens. But in the smaller locations, that's why most, uh, you know, uh, barbecue joints don't like have a, a set time. Nope. Is because they'll just, they they stop serving when they run out of barbecue right. and they're like, all right, we're done. That's it. Sorry. But I went at like 3.30 in the afternoon at uh, Martin. So they were already, you know, halfway through the day there. I went with the boys in the band from Lonely Highway that we've had on the show a couple times, and it was delightful. Me and Luz Bruce went at it, and I had some good brisket, pulled pork, chicken, hot links. Oh, mmm. But sadly, Martin's, no burn-ins. No burn-ins. They didn't take that second step. They didn't go from brisket yeah. to burn ends. They they left it at brisket, which is understandable. But mm-hmm. next time I'm there, Mike, you let me know next time you're there. I'll come in too. I'll make okay. the trip. We'll we'll go you know. there and then we'll hit up Edley's and we'll document it on Instagram Live, and I will not bring any automatic <laughs> weapons. There will be no automatic weapons on that Instagram Live. Sweet. But if you guys get a choice, or, or ch- choice, if you guys get a chance, make sure you check out EG Vine's record. It's fantastic. Through the mirror. Super nice guy. Obviously, he's going to have a good uh, football year. Because he's an Alabama fan. So, so you get true. a little spoiled when you're an Alabama fan. You just constantly win. All you do is win. You're DJ Khaled when you're an uh, Alabama fan. <laughs> a- anywho, thanks to EG for coming on the show. Fantastic. Uh, Mike, are you ready for the third birthday suit? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Very famous producer, writer, and director. I think a couple of the movies should give it away. Uh, My brother, huge fan of a lot of his work. So true. Some of his favorite movies are this dude. Uh, Born on September 15, 1946 in New York City. Our birthday suit uh, wearer was a very good student as well, just like Tommy Lee. He grew up uh, and was accepted to Yale. Man, Yale and Harvard. But... This guy didn't go to Yale. He decided to go to uh, teach English for six months in Saigon, Vietnam. 
He returned and then decided to go to Yale, but then dropped out again and enlisted in the Army going to Vietnam. In Vietnam, he won a Bronze Star, a Purple Heart, the Air Medal, and several other honors. Jeez. After his tour, he went back to school at New York University and uh, graduated with a bachelor's degree in film. One of his professors at the time was Martin Scorsese. Hmm. What? Wow. His first Oscar came from his film Midnight Express. He then wrote the uh, 1983 classic Scarface. In 1986, he released his film Platoon. In 1986, he filmed, uh, he directed Wall Street. Then in 1991, he directed the movie The Doors. He then directed JFK, which starred Tommy Lee. He uh, and then Natural Born Killers, which he also, uh, which he also uh, starred our former birthday suit wear. Then, in 1995, he uh, directed and uh, produced Nixon. Then, Any Given Sunday in 1999. Then, Alexander in 2004. Then, W in 2008. Then, Snowden in 2016. He's won multiple Academy Awards and Golden Globes. Name that birthday suit wearer. Ah, so embarrassing. I I don't know. I I know you'll know the name. Scarface. I, I'm like, I see it on the, I see it on the movie, but I can't like actually visualize the name. I just now, a thousand, a thousand times you'll know it. Oliver Stone. Uh, Oliver Stone. Stone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, big time. You know, big time uh, uh, director, producer, writer, just crazy. Uh, I mean, he wrote uh, Any Given Sunday, and I do have to say. The speech that Al Pacino gives uh, before their their last game, when he gives the, his speech about how he's lost everything in his life, one of mm-hmm. the best speeches ever. If you are not feeling motivated in your life, go watch that scene. Bring that up on YouTube. You'll get amped. You will run right. through a brick wall after you watch that. And you're like, yes, yes. Mm, it's about the six inches in front of your face. Claw with your fingernails. Word. Oh, so good. So good. The whole open mind, open hearts, Friday Night Lights is a pile of compared <laughs> to that. Let me tell you that, all right? That's the real deal right there. Sorry, I actually, honestly, it's a good speech, too. But the Friday Night, uh, the uh, Any Given Sunday just eclipses it. Fantastic. Fanta- He's got so many good movies. I mean, Platoon, Wall Street, just so many good ones. Good stuff. Oliver Stone. He's a little bit of a nutbag, but, you know, I mean, I think it comes with the territory. He's uh, seems like a really nice guy. I've watched a couple of his interviews. Uh, he's turned 75, too. There you go. Oliver Stone. Nice. Yeah. Happy birthday, Oliver. Enjoy it. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you've got some uh, extra cash to enjoy it with. So have a good time. Three quarters of a century. Live it up. Uh, Mike... Gotta gotta break the news of the amazing show coming this next week. I'm very excited about this next week's guest. We have Adam and the Metal Hawks. That's right. Adam and the Metal Hawks. Now, if you're going, uh, who are Adam and the Metal Hawks? You're obviously not a hip person on TikTok and Instagram. Because Adam and the Metal Hawks have 3 million followers on TikTok. 
They have almost wow. 900,000 followers on Instagram, Say and what? they are a rock and roll sensation. Yes. Yes. Now, what got them really popular, Mike, was a couple of months ago, uh, they did a duet with Jack Black on uh, TikTok because uh, their lead singer can sing and sound uh, very similar to Jack Black. And they did one of his songs, and Jack Black uh, duetted it with them. So, but uh, they just, I mean, they're such good musicians, so talented, such good, just just real, they, they got old school rock and roll, man. They're in that vein of Van Halen, uh, uh, ACDC, Metallica, uh, Def Leppard. Like, they just, they rock it out. Their guitarist, 18 years old. He's a wow. bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, 18-year-old just rocking, rocking all night and every day. Just impressive. Impressive. I can't wait to talk to the whole band, all four of them. Adam and the three Metal Hawks are going to be on the show next week. I can't wait to talk to them about their new songs, their new performances, everything going down. Uh, but until then, we're going to have to wrap up the show. Got to wrap it up for now. I've been your host, Doc G. With me, as per usual... Mikey, Maximus, the Fernicus, Charette. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And until next <laughs> week, we will zip it up. We will zip it out. Yes, sir. Zippity doo dah. <laughs>